So the rapid fire round, how? Okay. At what age do you want to retire? <laughs> Yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite mobile app? Zombies run. How long does it take you to get ready in the mornings? <laughs> um, too, too long. <laughs> Most embarrassing moment of your life? <laughs> Maybe this one? <laughs> <laughs> Mountains or beaches? Beaches. What's the most useful mobile feature that you can't live without? Oh, wow. Um, half of me wants to say email and the other half wants to say games. <laughs> okay. Uh, how many hours of sleep can you survive on? Four. Favorite color? Red. What time of day are you most inspired? Oh, 4 p.m. to 2 a.m. Fill in the blank. An upcoming mobile trend is blank. The metaverse. The city in which the best kiss of your life happened. <laughs> Wherever my husband is right now. <laughs> uh, pick one, Android or Apple. Oh, Apple. The biggest mistake of your career. Not leaving the company I was with before Nokia soon enough. Uh, it's, it's my father once said that uh, the biggest mistakes of his career was always staying two years too long at any company that he worked with. And uh, yeah. <laughs> Fair. How do you relax? Um, reading. How many cups of coffee do you drink per day? Zero. A habit of yours that you hate? Chewing on the inside of my mouth. <laughs> the most valuable skill you've learned in life? Cutting yourself and everyone around you a whole lot of slack. Cities or countrysides? I gotta say both on that one. <laughs> and the last one is your favorite Netflix show. Oh, wow. Um... I'm sorry, I have to sit here and think which one is on Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> you can say any show on an OTT platform. Any, any streaming show. Um, I don't know. This It's on Apple. I'm a huge Ted Lasso fan. Ha <laughs> <laughs> fair, yeah. <laughs> okay, so let's go on to the bigger questions, which you can answer with as much ease and time as you like. Okay. Uh, what, in your opinion, is the purpose of the metaverse, and what change will the evolution of the metaverse bring about? Yeah, so um, I'm going to do a shameless plug for my book right here. And so I just finished writing a book called Interconnected Realities. It's coming out um, in June. It's available for pre-order on Amazon right now. And, and the thing is that I asked myself that question, what is the purpose of the metaverse? And then I looked at each of the different iterations of the metaverse that are out there right now, and I asked that question of each one. And what I found as a result of going through that exercise is that a lot of times we equate or, you know, people are equating the metaverse with full immersion or with Web3 or something like that. What I found is that the common theme where we actually see the metaverse solving problems is the concept of presence. The concept of using digital means to connect you in your physical reality with people 
or information or locations that are not physically present with you. And, and that actually solves problems. That brings me information I didn't know that makes the invisible visible. Um, that actually brings me together with people that I'm not with right now. And, and so, because if you talk about immersion, and much as I love immersion, much as I love virtual reality, full-on digital worlds, because I do all of my, um, I do all my physical exercise, uh, my fitness, my daily fitness in virtual reality, and I have for the last four years. Um, and I, so I love VR. But the honest truth is that when you put on a VR headset, you are cutting yourself off from the physical world. And that's fine for a limited amount of time, but it's like going to a movie theater. You're not gonna be doing it all day, every day. Because, and especially talking to the women out there, we know what it is to have people depend on us. At some point, you have to take your headset off and talk to your kids and go make dinner for everybody. <laughs> so, so, so I find the people who are saying, you know, um, oh, we're gonna be in the metaverse all the time and do all of our shopping and our socializing in there. It's like, uh, the people who are saying that probably are not the ones who have to go make dinner, you know? <laughs> just, just saying. Um, so immersion is great, but it is not equivalent to the metaverse. I actually find, as I said, presence is the thing uniting us with the people and information that's not immediately visible in our physical surroundings. That's what the metaverse is all about. So the metaverse has been described as a digital utopia. But is it possible to create a perfect society online when real-world issues like inequality and discrimination still exist and might continue to exist in the metaverse? Yeah, actually, that, that question presupposes that the metaverse is kind of this world that we enter into. And, and I really, you know, and while there is an aspect of that with the metaverse, for me, the metaverse is it's the union of the digital and the physical. The physical is still extremely, extremely important. So... You know, so because we have this continuum, right? There's the full digital here and the full physical here. And the metaverse is really everything on the spectrum where digital and physical are being added together. And as I said, I think the, the fully digital metaverse is something, it's limited utility, it's limited purpose. It's, it's not that it has no purpose, it does have purpose, but it's not all the time. So where most of the metaverse activity is gonna happen is in this bit in the middle where we stay in our physical world and have digital elements that are added to that. And, um, and in a way, you know, one of the serious problems that, that that solves that we have right now is the problem of the screen. Because, right, you know, it sounds a little funny coming from somebody from Nokia, but the idea of a screen that we're staring at, that is something, that's a problem we have today that's actually very dystopian. And it's taking us away from the world, the people around us, because we our gaze is dead ending in the screen. And so what the metaverse is ultimately gonna do by moving into glasses that let us mostly see the physical world, but with digital elements added into it, that puts us back in the world. It means that our gaze ends in the physical world again. So in a way, I actually think that the, the metaverse is the solution to the dystopia that we have now of everybody sitting around a table at a restaurant and everybody is staring at their screen instead of looking at each other. That, that's a hell on earth and we have that now and we don't talk about that enough. But even a 3D gaze is removing us from the world in some way or how, what, how would you kind of perceive that? So here's, you know, here's a scenario. I'm wearing you know, a head-mounted device, it's, you know, some kind of AR glasses. And I'm, I'm walking along and I'm walking my dog. And, um, uh, 
and uh, and I see a flower and I want to know what kind of flower it is. And taking out my smartphone and using, you know, some kind of camera based thing in my smartphone to figure out what the flower is or what bird song I'm hearing right now. That's a little awkward because I've got a hand on my dog leash. Making this kind of information that you can that we can get from our smartphones today, actually then making it so that we get that information hands-free, that's actually really key. And that's that's the change. Again, we're back to, you know, what problem does the metaverse solve? The idea of having, for, I mean, I should be clear by now, for me, the really powerful metaverse is the augmented reality metaverse, not the virtual reality metaverse. And so, you know, so I can still be walking my dog, get the information that I want, you know, on demand where I'm in control and I'm not being served a ton of ads all the time, you know, yeah, that's actually my vision of what the metaverse is and what's going to be interesting and solve problems for people. So how would you balance your excitement for new developments in this with a sense of caution and responsibility? You know, I, I think it's actually great that in the Web2 era, some uh, very notable companies got into really big problems with privacy violations because that put everybody on notice that if you violate people's privacy, you know, your company is going to be rejected by the people of the world. And so that is a lesson that, thankfully, we see almost all the big players bringing into the creation of the metaverse. Does that mean we're not going to see privacy violations? Unfortunately, no. Uh, you know, mistakes will be made. <laughs> As each time we have a new technology, a significant new technology, we don't know as a society where the edge of the cliff is until somebody goes over it. But then once somebody goes over the edge of the cliff, we all go, oh, that was the edge of the cliff. We're going to put a fence up there now. We're going to have a lot of that going forward. But it's, 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 it's the same with every new technology that comes up. You know, same old story. So what are some of the possible edges of cliffs that we are seeing right now? <laughs> it's, um, I think one of the, the double-edged swords uh, that we're seeing right now is the idea of headsets. And here I will talk about virtual reality headsets um, that actually have cameras pointed at you that are doing things like analyzing your gaze or analyzing your emotions. That can be amazing for all kinds of training, for example, um, to really understand you, know, you and your emotional reaction to things um, uh, you know, uh, like in, in public speaking training, for example, where did your eyes fall? Were you looking at people in the eyes in your um, virtual reality world where they're training you to be a public speaker? But at the same time, there's room in the marketplace for headsets that don't do any of that tracking for people who do not want that tracked ever, ever, ever. And so they don't even want the hardware. And we see this playing out in the headsets that are on offer right now. Some have the tracking available, some do not. And um, yeah, we'll have to see because there's utility there, but there's also the potential to overmeasure and potentially abuse the, the stuff that's collected. And uh, so far, so far, we haven't seen any abuse cases, which is really good. But, you know, anytime you gather data and you store data about people, problems can arise. So fingers crossed. Here's hoping we don't see too many. Okay. So in your experience, uh, what are some common technological challenges that arise when multiple partners come together to create a new platform or technology? And how can these challenges be overcome? Um, 
I just, I've been with Nokia for 23 years now. And at the beginning of my career, so way back in the early days, the earliest days of mobile data, I managed a lab in Australia. Uh, it was called the Future Lab. And we were trying to figure out, well, we were building applications for, for first WAP and then GPRS and then, and then 3G. Um, and the thing that I found then was when we were working with partners, which we did, we worked with external developers, um, there was never a technical problem that couldn't be solved, you know, either with direct, you know, like, hey, we had to come up with something new or with um, some kind of workaround. But still, technical problems were never the problem. The tricky thing with partnerships is the business side of things. Anytime we had a project that did not achieve its stated goals, when partners were involved, it was because somebody had freaked out at some area of the business or some area of legal. And, and that, so to, in my experience, that's actually the harder aspect of, of business partnerships is getting a business case that is fair and win-win for everybody involved. Nobody's being victimized, um, you know, or exploited. And the other side is, you know, just making sure that the legal grounds are okay. Technically, yeah, I've, I've never seen anything fail on technical grounds, frankly. So how do you envision the metaverse evolving over the next five to 10 years? And what impact do you think it will have on society and technology? The, the metaverse is going to evolve from the kind of three-dimensional digital world where you're an avatar and I'm an avatar, which is kind of the, pic the mental picture that a lot of people have now. And there's certainly plenty of spaces where, you know, you can do that right now um, into much more of a digital physical fusion where I'm wearing a headset. Most of what I see is the physical world around me, but there are digital elements added into it that give me information that I didn't know before. Like, um, for example, you know, here we are at Mobile World Congress. And I'm talking to all of these people all the time and they're coming up with me and I've never met them before. And it's, it's a whirlwind and I may not remember at the end of the day who I'm talking to. If I have glasses that actually can, you know, and it's also like when somebody's wearing a name tag, it's rude when you like kind of like look at the name tag. If I have glasses that instead they're scanning, they spot the name tag and then they're recording, for example, who I spoke to, and then at the end of the day, I get this list. These were the people that you spoke to for more than 30 seconds or whatever criteria you want to make. And then these are the names and these are their contact information. Then I can go back and, you know, that kind of thing, that's the metaverse. That's where, and, and notice there's a lot of AI in that too. And so this, this combination of um, being able to, well, the digital and the physical, still being very much in the physical world, but with digital assistance, um, in all kinds of ways around you all the time, like magic, you know, anything that you can think of where you like to make the invisible visible, that's the metaverse. I guess it's kind of also a co-pilot, but that is helping you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, <clears throat> excuse me. So, <clears throat> yeah, 100% co-pilot, um, but never slave driver. And that's a really important distinction. So with the rise of concerns over privacy and data security, do you think that the development of the metaverse and the increasing use of AR and VR will only exacerbate these issues? How does Nokia plan to address these concerns? Yeah, well, within um, where Nokia plays in the metaverse is today, 
uh, well, we see, we see three main areas within the metaverse that are our focus. The industrial metaverse, the enterprise metaverse, and the consumer metaverse. Now, the consumer metaverse, where we'll be involved, is a, that comes a little bit later. Um, so right now, we're kind of the industrial and the enterprise metaverse, which is very much, you know, digital twins and training and education um, and all of these kinds of things. And so security and privacy are not so much elements in those. So, but, but overall, um, actually, wait, let me put that another way. Your your personal data that's that's not so much an element in those metaverses, but keeping your corporate information safe, yes, one hundred percent. And that's why um, I mean, if you look at a lot of um, most of the things that are happening in the metaverse right now, when you look at it from a connectivity point of view, they're happening over Wi-Fi. But when you are dealing with the industrial metaverse or the enterprise metaverse, and you want to make absolutely sure there's nobody with a Wi-Fi sniffer sitting in your parking lot, hoovering up your corporate data, that's when you might actually want to be using, say, a private 5G network, which is where we come in, to have that connection to give you that kind of AR or VR experience within your corporate area, and you know it's 100% rock solid, safe and secure. All right, so what products is Nokia displaying today at the MWC? Oh, actually, I am not the person to ask about that, honestly. <laughs> okay, fair. Uh, so besides MWC, which other shows do you attend? Have you attended? Do you plan to attend? Um, let's see, I will be at South by Southwest um, in Austin uh, in a couple of weeks. And um, CES, uh, the Consumer Electronics Show, where I was actually CES this year, I was delighted to see um, augmented reality glasses and virtual reality headsets from a huge number of players that I had never imagined were getting into this business. The hardware part of this, so when we're talking about the metaverse actually, where we are with the metaverse is about the same as the internet in 1993. Super, super early, we are still in the infrastructure phase. We are still in the, the point where we're trying to lay everything down from the headset all the way through to the data centers with the connectivity and, and the processing. We gotta get all that in place. And, and, you know, it's, uh, the headsets are still a little big and a little heavy and everything. And so as we actually develop it, once it's fully in place in a way that it can work, that's when the creatives come in. And that's when they start showing us what this thing is really going to be. Because until then, we don't really know. Same way, we didn't really understand what the internet was going to do for us until we actually had not just the internet, but the mobile internet and location-based information. And that was when you start getting things like Uber and Airbnb. It's like, oh, this is what the internet is for. Same thing. We've got we've to kind of just believe in the concept, even if we're not really sure what it is, build the infrastructure, and then we will figure out what this metaverse thing is for. And how does like all these companies that are burgeoning with VR headsets, do you think, how do they address the key concern is of motion sickness that people feel after a while and is that a concern that can be addressed because i feel to an extent vr will not progress to the uh where it can if motion sickness exists yeah there's a couple of different causes for motion sickness within virtual reality um and and some of it can be solved by the way that developers go like for example um if i'm in a vr game or a vr environment um there's two different ways to, to locomote. One is to, um, to 
you know, to, to point and then <clears throat> teleport to the location that you pointed to. The other is to glide. Gliding makes me instantly motion sick, no matter what the application. And so, so developers, stop gliding. Just don't even, don't do that. <laughs> there's, I mean, there's games that I would, that I, I'm not going to name any names here, but there's games that I would love to play, but I can't because they don't have the teleport. They only have the glide. Yeah. So no. Yeah. So that's on the developer side. However, another part of it is actually the network because um, motion, one of the causes of motion sickness, not the only one, but one of them is if there is a lag time between what you are feeling or what your inner air is feeling and then what your eyes see. Um, it's about a seven, 10 millisecond gap or lag time within your brain. Um, you know, so, so, you know, you move your head and, you know, you move your eyes and then your brain knows about it. If you're wearing a VR headset and you turn and the visuals turn like 30 milliseconds later, um, you as a person, we're, we don't, we can't detect that. That's such a low time, but our brain gets it. And that's, that causes motion sickness. And so really good connectivity. Um, so right now, you know, most, well, all VR headsets run on Wi-Fi. So you need to have your Wi-Fi connected to a network that is fast. So if you're having problems at home with, you know, with VR motion sickness, check your network. You might need to get fiber. If you don't have fiber, you might need to upgrade your Wi-Fi router because poor connectivity can cause that delay which can cause motion sickness. So, so what I'm saying, so my, my answer is really, it's something that there are co technical causes for motion sickness that we as an industry can address. And we definitely, you know, at Nokia for sure, we're working on the connectivity side of that, absolutely. All right, so the last question is of a personal kind. What would you be doing in your life if not this right now? <laughs> you know, I am, my role is Nokia's head of trend scouting. I go around looking at technology trends, <clears throat> participating in them, talking to the people involved. Um, I am living my best life. You know, it just doesn't get any better than this. <laughs> that was amazing. It was great listening to you.